0: Hi, this is presenter Crystal DiNapoli, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Indigenuity, a weekly radio show hosting conversations with Indigenous knowledge holders showcasing all forms of Indigenous ingenuity. Indigenuity is broadcast live on Triple R each Sunday afternoon. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch via the Triple R website or Twitter at IndigenuityAU. For starting today, as always, I want to acknowledge that we are very lucky to be airing out from the unceded lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations, and I'd like to pay my respect to elders past and present, and acknowledge their continuing uh, connection to these lands, our waterways, and our skies. So today we're about to be having a conversation with, (coughs) apologies, uh, Yorta Yorta artist Lorraine Brigdale, to discuss her work in creating Unearthed. A projection mapped mural and microverse by Plug-In Human as part of the and Festival, which currently has its opening weekend right now. So Unearth is a collaborative artwork that engages both physical and digital landscapes. The artwork features a mural with contemporary reworkings of Yorta Yorta Shields by Lorraine Brigdale and enlarged micrographs by Betty Sargent from Plug-In Human. The m- mural, which will be a permanent feature, includes an icon that connects audiences with the microverse. The microverse is a parallel universe that exists alongside our non-digital reality. The m- mural and the microverse can be viewed 24 hours a day. So, uh, yeah, uh, Lorraine, welcome to Indigenuity. It's a pleasure to have you on. Oh, thank you for inviting me. So, um, I'm really I'm really interested in... Uh, in uh, the work that you've been doing. Um, I was wondering if you might be able to give us a bit of an introduction to what Unearthed is.
1: Okay, Unearthed is... Well, it's, it's actually a layered work um, produced by four artists. The two artists, the um, Plug-in Human, Betty Sargent and... Kristen um, Dwyer. And also Akshat Nurel, who who... Um, Lives and works and creates his digital art in Bali, and myself, and um, so it's essentially it's um, the idea of looking of of how we all look at landscapes uh, from a different point of view, and in this work it's from the extreme. So, for example, Betty's micro um, uh, photos um, started in when she was in the Amazon and she was taking photos of insects, animals and things. And she came, she brought those photos back and she had a, a an image of a wasp, which she worked on. And she made that into um, a part of the graphics that are in the mural now. And then there is my work, which is, um, taken from shields that I've made, mm-hmm. and I was them with my own handmade botanical ink and um, botanical, um, sorry, um, ochre paints. Mm-hmm. And I was painting them on paper and in some large format.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, Lorraine, sorry, I'm I'm having a bit of difficulty hearing you. I. I'm unsure if you're moving away from your microphone or um, if you have on speaker or something, but you were talking about these shields and you were saying that your your own... Was you say botanical ink?
1: Yeah, yeah. I make botanical ink and I also make ochre paints, minerals and ochre paints. So I was painting that onto watercolour paper and some, some large shields and some small shields. But... Um, when I got together to collaborate with um, Plug In Human, we decided that the the smaller shields that I was painting um, would work really well in in this new project. So Betty and I got together and worked on the placement of her photos, her her, her wasp photos, which are um, circular uh, images, and also my. Um, my shield photos, and we put them together digitally. So, Betty, Betty, I'm not a digital artist, so I, I'm I'm fairly prehistoric in my art. I use a paintbrush and ink and, and paint, and um, but Betty uses the digital format, and so together we worked on her um, images plus mine and put together the the complete image. And so we're looking at um, things from a microscopic point of view. Um, with betty's work and then from my point of view which is real life um, painting size we've scaled that up to be a massive size on the wall and then on top of that um, in the in the evenings when it uh, when the light goes the wires, project mapped color show comes on and layers Moving patterns and colours—the most amazing thing. It's it's incredible to see. Wow. Um, and he layers it over the over the over our canvas of the work that we've done. and then the fourth aspect of it is Akshat's work, which is um, viewed by pointing your um, phone at the it's a QR code, and that will take you into his microverse that he's produced. So you've got all varying levels and ideas of looking at the landscape around us and also the way we see things and the way we, we view the way we like to view things. So that's that's the idea behind the artwork and also behind calling it unearthed because it's it's looking at um, things from a variety of of viewpoints.
0: Yeah, interesting. I, I can really see like the picture you're painting here with your words about the different layers to this artwork. Uh, why? Why do you think it was important, or why was that? Where was that motivation coming from to incorporate, I guess, digital landscapes as well as physical artworks? Because it's a unique sort oh, of mixing.
1: Yeah,
0: it certainly is. Um, I guess it's. We're all, in,
1: in one way or another, all of the people who are involved in this artwork, we're all extending ourselves to something that we're not um, used to working with. So from my point of view, I'm, I'm not used to working with digital art mm. and I'm finding it really interesting learning lots about how that works and, how, and what you can achieve with it. Um, from the point of view of the other artists, they're not they haven't been practising my type of art either. So they can see the the touch of the human hand in creating art gives you a different feel than creating something in a digital format. Yeah. So being able to bring those two um, images together, that digital format and the human human hand painted um, part of the project, really creates a beautiful um flow. And a harmony that works really beautifully throughout. And then when you sort of layer the so, Justin's work is incredible. It's just amazing to see, and he can um, he can make his his colour show. I call it a colour show. I'm not sure what <laughs> we call it in digital world, but yeah. um, <laughs> I like to call it a colour show, a colour and light show. And he makes the most amazing. Um, colours and patterns but he, he maps them to the images that are on the wall mm. so to Betty's images and also to My shields, and um, the colour then actually links up to what it's, it's um, what it's mapped to so there'll be different things happening across that wall at different times and then also a background of colour that's going, so it's like things going in all sorts of different directions and colours but they all sort of work together to create this amazing... It's a feeling of a whole world, you know, of its own. Yeah. So I think... Um, and for Akshat, he he and Betty met um, in India when she was doing um, a... I think it was a um, a study travel. Um, and so she met him. They chatted about artwork and wanting to do a collaboration... So that's how, and that felt like it could sort have of fit with all of what we were doing. So it's really, it's really lovely to have all those different levels.
0: Yeah, it's, it sounds like it. So you've got, um, I guess, like the the mural, which features the artworks relating to your work, as well as the work of Betty Sargent. And then you have the yep. microverse, which has been created, uh, which, you know, uses, I guess, like viewers come along with their phones they can engage with and like unlock this other dimension. And then mm. it so, it, but to be able to experience, I guess, like all the layers. So also to be able to see the um, the mapped projection light show that Justin Dwyer's created. Does that mean that it's probably best for people to come around so that they can experience when that starts after dark?
1: Yes, and to, and today Sunday is the last day of it. It was for three nights. Um, so if you're in Shepparton and it's starting to get dark, head on down to. Um, It's on the Go Tafe Wall in North Street in Shepparton. Excellent. And it's a sight sight to see. It's just amazing. And the children love it too because they can dance around in front of the the different coloured lights. And it's just beautiful, beautiful experience.
0: That definitely sounds like a lovely experience and i'm look. I'm looking at the uh, the time it's one twenty five I can imi- I can say that there is a window for um for uh people to get out down to Shepparton in time to be able to experience it this evening so anyone who has Absolutely. a nice sort of empty Sunday, I encourage you to make that beautiful drive out to your deorta country uh, I- yeah. sorry, please.
1: Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Um, it'd be worth, it's its an experience worth seeing. It's not something you see very often.
0: No, it definitely sounds very unique, especially with all the different layers of having these digital landscapes as well with the artwork. Uh, one, yeah. one thing I really wanted to ask you about before uh, we sign off is just, I'm really interested in how you're talking about these shields. Um, and I wanted yeah. to know a little bit about the shields and what they, like, what they represent, why you work with them. And also you mentioned like very casually your botanical ink and the working with ochre, which is so fascinating. So yeah, I was wondering if you could tell us a bit about the shields and how you ended up using those type of um, uh, mediums or yeah art art sources. I don't know how to phrase it. I'm not an artist, but the ochre and the <laughs> ink I'm very interested in.
1: Okay, well the the ochre and the botanical inks. I've been um, only painting with my own my own handmade um, materials for a few years now, quite a few years. Um, I decided not to use um, commercial art materials anymore and I've got a massive cupboard full of them that's just sitting there um, and I make the um, ochre and mineral paints and then I make the botanical inks from, um, it's a process similar to echo dyeing where you use bark and leaves and things mm. but I, instead of dyeing fabric, I actually take a few different steps and I turn it into an ink and, um, it makes beautiful ink. It's beautiful to work with. So I use a small brush to make the, um, the shields, um, when I paint with the inks. And the ochres, of course, are, are different. I make watercolour paint from the ochres. And it's, uh, it's the same as a commercial, it's, it's the same recipe as a commercial watercolour ink is. Um, but it's quite different and it's beautiful to, to work with. And when I first started working with it, I just, felt that I didn't want to use anything else anymore, so if I'm going to make a piece of art now, I'll use only natural things, so sometimes I'll use charcoal mm-hmm. and make an ink or a paint out of charcoal as well um, and I've been doing that for quite a long time and I with my um, with my ochres, I make the little clay pots to put the ochre watercolour in and, because um, I didn't want to be using any plastics. so yeah. that's that's a, a sort of a, a, I guess, a bit of a wrap up around the materials that I use. But the shields are really important to me at the moment because I um, I work at a, a school in Eagle Hawk in Bendigo, just um, usually about one day a week. But they got disrupted over COVID, of course, and I had already started doing the shields, and I was thinking about the strength of Aboriginal Aboriginal women currently and also in the past and how our Aboriginal elders and ancestors were such strong women and um, they're the reason as well as the men that that we're here today and and often the women are not acknowledged. Mm. So I started off thinking about the Shields and thinking about Aboriginal women but then working with the children um, what I realised after probably towards the end of the first year was that kids haven't got much of a voice um, and in some cases no voice really at all and so we were all talking about how terrible it was that we couldn't go to work and we couldn't go out and dance and we couldn't do all of these things and there wasn't much being said about what sort of an effect this was having on children and you know when you think about it, the years kids are in school, there's so many things that normally happen that are landmark for them going through, their growing and They've missed out on, you know, almost two full years of that. And I just felt they weren't getting a voice and they weren't really, we weren't paying enough attention to them, like, generally. Um, And so I wanted to talk to my kids at the school about um, strength and resilience, which is what comes from my ancestors. Aboriginal people's ancestors and I wanted to talk about strength and resilience and where that comes from and how you have to actually grow that in yourself and you don't get it from an outside source, you're the one that creates it Mm -hmm. and I wanted the kids to know, the the young people to know that um, when they have tough times, they can turn to themselves to help themselves get through and... um, and be strong and be resilient, come back from things, um, so that they could sort of see that they didn't have to necessarily rely on someone else to help them through those things. And I just wanted to give them that, just hold that hand out to them, I guess, and uh, and help them. So as a part of that with the school, we had a, I had a sculpture made for the Indigenous garden, which we were working on, and um, one of our local sculptors made it out of star pickets um, for us and he made it based on one of my paintings of my shield. Oh. So we now have this amazing um, shield in the Indigenous garden and when we, when I talk to the children about it and introduce the children to this shield, I just say to them, look, you can, you can touch this, you can walk near it, you can stand behind it, you can help draw your strength from, it and it's a reminder that you do have that strength and resilience inside you. So it's just been a wonderful, beautiful thing for me um, to sort of have in the in the two years. And it was a struggle. It was a struggle for for, for everyone. Uh, as an artist, it was a struggle. One yeah. is seeing the kids, um, so that the young people in the high school that I work with, and also my 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 two grandsons sort of struggling with um, having to live the life that was imposed on them.
0: Yeah, that's... Wow, I, 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 love, I love your focus there, especially with, um, I guess, like, giving a voice to the voiceless. Like, I feel like kids get overlooked a lot in that way and kids have so much to say and so many experiences which really impact them. And I can see how empowering it is to uh, you have the symbolism and the meaning with the shields, and being able to bring that into their uh, their environment at school, and then also having that linked into this project, I think that's just really beautiful. Oh, thank you, thank you. And so, one one last question, Lorraine, you've been absolutely excellent. Um, I just so going back to the, how you you're using um, uh, artistic. Uh, <laughs> Oh my goodness, I can't even think of the right word. (laughs) Naturally
1: made art materials.
0: Materials, there we go. Naturally made (laughs) art materials. And I know a little bit about ochre and how, um, you know, uh, you source it from different areas of Australia. It comes in a range of different colours and different properties for different uses. But botanical ink, could you give us a bit of a rundown as to what goes into a botanical ink?
1: Well, my first botanical inks were um, an experiment because I'd I'd been learning how to do echo printing and then I decided that I didn't want to get into echo printing because I already had enough arms to my artistic stable. So I had all these pots of echo ink dye out out in my garden and you, you make your dye by putting in various things from... Nature into water and boiling it and then adding other additives to it. And so I had these and I don't know what it was that made me think, oh, I can make this into ink because it was like, I'm not going to use these to dye anything. So, but I didn't want to just get rid of it. didn't want to waste it. And um, so basically um, what I did was I gathered different types of bark for depending on the different pot. I did three different colours at that stage. I used... Um, oh, what's it called when you mistletoe? I always have to think about kissing under the mistletoe do <laughs> you remember what it's called. <laughs>
0: um,
1: so I, I, I got some mistletoe that had started to turn that red colour that it goes, and I made some ink out of that, and it was a beautiful red colour. And you, I made it simply by putting the whole, um, all of the mistletoe leaves into the water and giving it a bit of a simmer. And a boil, and um, then simmering it down so that it became thicker. When I realised I wanted to make ink out of it, I strained all of the leaves and things out of that water, and just simmered it until it got to a, a decent thickness. So that gives me like a um, a deep, ready-coloured um, terracotta red-coloured ink. Yeah. And then yeah, and then I did things like I got the um, the gall wasp off the, off some acacia trees, and it makes like a little a little nip knobble thing on the on the tree and um, so I got that and I got a whole lot of those, and I also got some bark off those trees and some leaves off those acacia trees, and I did the same thing it's it's just a matter of simmering it and getting it to a point and then into that I then put some rusted iron pieces, and that rusted iron actually turns color which is a brown when you when you're simmering it um, in the first instance it's sort of a brownie color um, and then when you put the rusted like it can just piece of piece of rusted rusted um, steel which you've picked up when you've been out in the bush or whatever um, and I so I put that in and that caught there's a chemical reaction between the uh, natural materials and the rust that actually makes it go black. So okay. that creates a black a black ink, yeah. And then I did um, from a coriander tree the, the the seeds and the, so the seeds and the bark and some of the leaves from coriander tree, and that made a, another so exactly the same process. Then put in the the, the rusty piece of steel and. It also made a black, but it was more of a brown black. So I've got a brown black, a black, and a real reddy colour of ink.
0: And it's very exciting to make something like that. Yeah, it must be so rewarding. To, it's Absolutely, a very sustainable way of creating dyes, and uh, seems like an enjoyable process. And unlocking like a, a different, like a range of shades of colours too. Like that, just yeah. It's yeah. Thank you for. Um, talking us through that process because it really, I feel like I've, I've learned a lot from you today, particularly remembering <laughs> to use the word materials, which I'm appreciative of. Um, but congratulations on your work in creating this mural. Other than that, Lorraine, thank you so much for your time and, uh, yeah, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Oh, thank you for inviting me. It's been wonderful. Oh, great. Wonderful. <laughs> Uh, so, going to uh, thank you all for your time today. Uh, so, we had the pleasure of speaking with Yordi Yord artist Lorraine Brigdale, talking about uh, her work as part of the mural. It's called Unearthed, and it is a it's a an artwork that you experience in both a digital landscape as well as the physical in person sort of landscape. Uh, it has multiple layers to it, not just this beautiful mural that's been created from it been inspired by Lorraine's uh, work with. Aboriginal war shields and her own art. Um, but as well as incorporating an interactive element where viewers with their iPhones can scan a QR code and unlock a microverse that is tied to the mural, as well as if you are lucky enough to be heading out to your Yoda country tonight or if you are, uh, you know, in Melbourne with nothing to do and you're looking at the time and you realise, actually, it's only one fifty three, I could make it out there, it's only a couple hours, few hours drive, uh, you can actually go and see for the final night Justin Dwyer's... Uh, contribution to this mural, which is a mapped projection that goes on top of it, and it's sort of like the final layer. So, sounds like a very interesting experience inspired by bringing Indigenous knowledge uh, in a, I guess, like a modern sort of format here. So yeah, it was a beautiful conversation. If you want to listen back to it later, you can go to rrr.org.au. Have a look for Indigenuity. Check out today's interview or any of our past interviews. We've had around 30 guests, I think, at this point, And you can learn all about different areas of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander knowledge. And uh, we'll see you this time again next week. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's Indigenuity, a weekly radio show hosting conversations with Indigenous knowledge holders showcasing all forms of Indigenous ingenuity. Indigenuity is broadcast live on Triple R every Sunday afternoon. Hope you've enjoyed the podcast and feel free to get in touch via the Triple R website or Twitter at IndigenuityAU.